When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. ฮัลโหลเฟมเมอร์จิมส์แคลฮูนแมสคอตไอคอนเดลเอิร์นฮาร์ดจูเนียร์เคิร์บสตรีทอีสออนเดอะโฟนอ่าโจ๊กฟอ
using promo code Taurus. Send me a screenshot, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. What I will do from there, I will send you a $25 Buffalo Wild Wings gift card, courtesy of me. You get lunch, you get dinner, bring a friend, have some beers, courtesy of Torres. Screenshot to Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com, and we will get you a Buffalo Wild Wings gift card. But with that said, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day, boy, oh boy, it is a doozy. And it comes from a beautiful little place called East Lansing, Michigan. So if you've been listening to this show here over the last couple of weeks, we've obviously talked a ton about Michigan State. Talked about Mel Tucker being put on administrative leave. We We talked about Mel Tucker being told he was about to be fired. And then, of course, we talked last week when Mel Tucker was fired and who might replace him. We went through all the names, you know, the Mike Elkos, the Pat Narduzzi's, the PJ Flex, the whatever. But I bring it up because there were a couple of names that I just said, like, look, Michigan State fans, don't even get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up on Deion Sanders. He ain't leaving after this year. And obviously, don't get your hopes up on Urban Meyer. I saw that in some of the comments section. I said there's zero percent chance that Urban Meyer could possibly become the Michigan State head football coach next. Well, I bring it up. Because a little over a week later, we got our first official Urban Meyer to Michigan State rumors, which I want to dive into right now. And then I also want to dive into how realistic I think it is, why it makes sense, and why it does not make sense at the same time. So first of all, a little bit of a backstory over the last couple days. For those of you who are not diehard Michigan State fans, not following this stuff on a minute-to-minute basis, um, you know, first of all, I I think it was probably over the weekend. There were some kind of like internet message board rumors about candidates and non-candidates and Urban Meyer. Is he a guy? Is he not a guy? Whatever. I bring it up because on Monday, Michigan State AD Alan Haller felt the need to release a statement about the ongoing coaching search. Here is what Alan Haller had to say. He said, regarding the search, we will thoroughly evaluate and do everything required to find the right individual to lead the Spartan football program throughout the process. I won't be able to provide many updates. I realize that our community has a tremendous passion for Spartan football and that there's a great desire for more information about this process. However, privacy is important to attract top tier candidates, most of whom are involved in their own current situation, current seasons. I expect that you will hear a lot of names and rumors. I expect to speak with many individuals throughout the process. While some are candidates, others will be resources for me as I go about my due diligence to ensure the best hire for Michigan State. And so why do I bring it up? It is because, first of all, did you hear that little quip in the middle from Alan Haller, the AD? He said, privacy is important to attract top caliber candidates, most of whom are involved in their own current seasons, most of whom are involved in their own current season. So first of all, that caught a lot of Michigan state fans eyes because they basically said, wait a second now. Yeah. Mike Elko is in the middle of a season. Yeah. Pat Narduzzi is in the middle of a season. PJ Fleck, Chris Kleiman at Kansas state, whatever. But you know, he said most of which not all. And there is one pretty prominent guy who is not in the middle of a season. That is obviously urban Meyer. I bring it up because that was really where things stood until Tuesday. And then on Tuesday, a tweet made some rounds that is worth at least mentioning here. Bernie Fratto of Fox Sports Radio. I know Bernie will get into him in a minute. He he tweeted this out, which was shared by many outlets. 
He said, my best mole tells me Urban Meyer will interview with Michigan State for their head coaching position. Stay tuned. Yes, it's real. It's possible. He has a lot of backers. So we'll see where this goes. So let me say this real quick. So many of you know I work for Fox Sports Radio, uh, and I know Bernie well. I I know Bernie well, and what I would say is this. I'm not going to speak for him. I'm not going to speak to who he's talking to, any of that. What I can definitively tell you is this. He is a guy, and I think a lot of Michigan State fans know this. He lived in the state of Michigan for 20-plus years, okay? Uh, Did radio for the Lions. I think he did some stuff with the Tigers as well. Um, and, and, And why I bring it up is he has been a guy that's been on my radio show many times, talking about Michigan, Michigan State, the Lions. And, you know, he talks about a lot of things, but but he talks about Michigan topics specifically. I can tell you straight up, every single thing that he has told me on my radio show, Saturday nights with Jason Martin, about the state of Michigan has ended up being 100% correct. Whether it was Jim Harbaugh, Mel Tucker, this, that, the other thing, everything he has said on that show has been 100% accurate. So I do believe there's at least some conversations going on Uh, It is worth noting, by the way, Brady Quinn, who works with Urban Meyer on Big Noon Kickoff, tweeted something to the effect of, uh, I I think I have better sources on this one, and I'm I'm not so sure about it. And I would also say, I think the Alan Haller converse, or the Alan Haller statement is worth noting, because while he did say most of the candidates are involved in their own current seasons, I thought that last line was important as well. He said, I expect to speak with many individuals throughout this process. Some are candidates. Others will be resources for me as I go about my due diligence to ensure the best hire for Michigan State. So if anybody happened to see Urban Meyer, and I'm not speaking specifically to to the report, but there is a possibility that Urban Meyer has just been brought in to be a consultant to speak with the AD. This has happened. But sometimes, oh, by the way, let's keep in mind that, that sometimes somebody gets brought in as a consultant and ends up taking the job. I'm from the state of Connecticut. Jim Calhoun, about seven, eight years ago, was brought in as a consultant for a search at a Division III school called St. Joseph's College. He consults, he consults, he talks. He ends up taking the job and stayed for two, three, four years and was excellent with them before retiring last year. And so I bring it up because I think right now it's too hard to speculate. Is he really a candidate? Is he a consultant? Is he interviewing? What I do want to discuss, though, is does it make sense for Urban Meyer And does it make sense for Michigan State? I think it's a layered, nuanced, complex thing. But I do think it is worth at least having a conversation about here. And I'll say this. I think on some level it does make sense. Let me explain why. I have been adamant, 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 adamant. And I truly believe it. And I mean it in my heart of hearts. I don't believe Urban Meyer is done coaching, okay? Urban Meyer is 58 years old, okay? Urban Meyer is 58 years old. And while he is great on TV, I don't see him just for another 20 years doing TV, riding into the sunset um, and calling it a a, a life, right? This is a competitor. This is a winner. This is a guy that has competed at the highest levels of college football. And so I bring it up because he's only 58 years old. He's not 68. He's not 78. He could still do this and, 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 and put some time in. Remember, Matt Brown is 72 years old as we speak. Nick Saban is 71 going on 72. Urban Meyer won't be 71 until, if my math is correct here, let's do some quick math in our head, 2036, okay? So I bring it up because Urban Meyer still has many good years if he wants to get back into coaching. I think it's also worth noting, you generally don't want to bring in a guy in his late 50s, but Urban Meyer is not a 10-year guy. 
Urban Meyer is a in, out, fix it, and then I'm going to burn myself out in five, six years. So if you're Michigan State, you say, if I can get Urban Meyer, hire him now, he can start recruiting now, maybe get into the portal, and all of a sudden we salvage the team that we have, we salvage the team, you know, we salvage the recruiting class, on and on. So I think that's interesting. I think it's worth noting he's only 58 years old. He has one more run. I don't believe that he is going to allow um, the Jacksonville Jaguars to be the final chapter of his coaching career. I think he's coaching again somewhere. So I do think from that level, it makes sense. He's only 58 years old. He's he, He's got, I think, another six, seven-year run in him. But I do think the question then becomes, does it make sense for Michigan State specifically? And I think that's where it gets more interesting. One, I think it is worth noting. I do think he has a, a five, six, seven-year window in him. The question becomes, is it going to be Michigan State? And this is no disrespect intended to Michigan State. But if Urban Meyer knows he's only got one more real run in him, does he want it to be at Michigan State? One, Michigan State is a great job with great facilities, great resources, great financial support. At the same time, in the changing Big Ten, it is going to be a tough, tough, tough place to win. Remember, you're now, and, and granted, it's a 12-team playoff era, so you're you're only going to have to finish third or fourth in the Big Ten to make the playoff. But in a 12-team playoff era, even still, you are now in a conference not only with Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, you're in a conference with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Oregon, and Washington all ranked in the top 10. And oh, by the way, UCLA is a top 25 team. And that's not even including the Nebraska's, the Iowa's, the Wisconsin's, the whoever. And so I bring it up because that conference is going to be really hard. And if you're Urban Meyer and you're only getting one more shot, do you want to wait for something else? And I know what people would say, well, I mean, nothing's going to open. I mean, what's what's the biggest job that's going to open this year? And what I would say is stay tuned. Something crazy is going to happen, right? We didn't think Michigan State was going to be open right now. We didn't think Northwestern was going to be open right now. So something's going to happen. Heck. Florida might open up the way Billy Napier's going in another year or two. Now, I don't know if Florida fans want Urban Meyer, but I just bring it up to say like like something big is going to open sooner rather than later because this is college football and this stuff happens. So you have that. Is Urban Meyer going to use probably his last big rebuild on Michigan State? And then I think, too, you have to look at it from the Michigan State-specific perspective. Michigan State's dealing with a lot of stuff with this Mel Tucker stuff. And so I just look at it from the Michigan State perspective. And, and the Mel Tucker contract, the $95 million, 10 years, I think that was kind of their we're ready to play big boy college football kind of moment, right? And I think that's great. I, this is no knock on Michigan State, none, none whatsoever. But I bring it up because you it, it didn't end well with Mel Tucker. As we've discussed, you may still have to end up paying Mel Tucker something, although they're going to fight it in court. And I don't know that they want to commit the kind of money that you'd have to commit to get Urban Meyer. Remember, Urban Meyer is not just going to cost $10 million a year. He's going to expect the biggest assistant coaching pool that you can imagine. Uh, I'm guessing a 25-person recruiting staff to match anybody in college football, player personnel department. I mean, Urban Meyer doesn't do anything half you-know-what. He's going full speed ahead. I I can't even imagine the financial commitment that would come with Urban Meyer. And so I do wonder if Michigan State, I I think this hire is kind of more the, we might have gone a little too crazy with Mel Tucker. He did some stuff to embarrass the university. More than anything, let's make sure to get somebody that won't embarrass us. 
And I think that last part is important too. We all know about the Mel Tucker situation. And of course, on a very serious note, you know, we all know the Larry Nassar situation, right? I mean, a crazy story. We know what the deal is. If you don't know the story, you can go ahead and look it up. And I'm not going to get involved there. There's a lot of great people at Michigan State, uh, a lot of great students, a lot of great alumni, a lot of great people working at the school. But when you have Larry Nassar, when you have Mel Tucker, to bring in a coach in Urban Meyer that his last two coaching jobs gets caught in a bar with a woman that's not his wife, Mel Tucker sounds sort of familiar, doesn't it? Um, And then obviously with the way things ended at Ohio State, I don't know that it makes sense. So in conclusion, what I would say is we will continue to monitor this story because boy, oh boy, is it juicy. But right now, I would say I don't think this is the right fit for Michigan State. And I don't think this is the right fit for Urban Meyer. Would not surprise me if he's involved in helping with the coaching search. Don't know that he makes sense as the next head coach at Michigan. State. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChompaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. I do want to. Switch gears, uh, and we're going to do something a little bit different going forward here on the Aaron Torres pod. Some would say an executive decision was made at Aaron Torres Media earlier this week. But I've been doing this show here for about four or five years now. And the one thing that I've noticed over time, it used to be when I started this show, you just make your picks on Friday, and that's all there was to it, and that's how everybody did their Friday show. But what I've noticed is over time is that it feels like every single year, the, the the football week kind of shrinks. And what I mean by that is every single year, it feels like people are earlier and earlier in the week starting to preview and look ahead to the next week. Used to be you wait till Friday. Now I see previews going up on Tuesday, Wednesday. If you're waiting till Thursday, it feels like you're living in the, the, the stone ages here. So what we're going to do here on the Air Tours pod, I think we're going to go ahead and every week we'll look at probably two or three games um, that are big going into the weekend. We'll preview those on Wednesday. And then Friday, we'll get to the rest of the slate. Obviously, if something newsworthy happens in a game we talked about Wednesday, we'll discuss that. But that's going to be kind of the plan going forward. And this feels like a great weekend to do it. 
because we have two monster games in the SEC. We have what is essentially a de facto uh, who has control of the SEC East and a de facto who has control of the SEC West. The West game, it is Alabama at Texas A&M. Believe it or not, those are the only two teams without at least one SEC loss right now in the West. They're the only two teams in the West. So the winner of this game has complete control of, over the West. And then in the East, Georgia, Kentucky, and Missouri are all undefeated. And Kentucky plays Georgia this weekend, meaning that, again, essentially we're talking about a de facto who has control of the league or the division, excuse me, although some would say that maybe Missouri could 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 put themselves in it depending on how things go. So I want to talk AM uh, Alabama today, and I want to talk Georgia-Kentucky today. Again, we'll update throughout the week if things change. But let's start with that Alabama at Texas A&M game. Very interesting line movement here. Alabama opened as about a five-point road favorite in College Station. As I record here late Tuesday, it is down to two-and-a-half points, the over-under set at 46-and-a-half. In other words, all of the money, all of the professional bettors, they are taking the Texas A&M Aggies at home. It is worth noting, by the way, these have been two very competitive games over the last two years. Texas A&M beat Alabama two years ago in College Station. And of course, last year, it came down to the final play in Tuscaloosa. Big picture, you know, one thing that I think is kind of interesting, and I put this out on Twitter on Tuesday afternoon, is I, I am curious how people will perceive this game, right? Alabama and A&M already have a loss. So if Texas A&M in theory is to win, does it become, oh, both these teams are completely overrated. Who cares? They already took a loss in the out of conference. Or is it, and this is where I think it is, I, I think both teams are getting better. And I think the team that wins this game should feel really good again about being in control of the SEC West and at least getting to Atlanta. We could talk college football playoff down the road, but I, I think both teams should feel really good coming out of this game if they are able to get the win. In terms of these two teams, listen, I think they're both really good, and as I said, they're both starting to figure things out. From the Texas A&M perspective, I know that it has been all negative for the last 18 months in College Station, and I know that they got smoked in Miami a few weeks ago, but this has looked like a very good team over the first two weeks of SEC play, a dominant win over Auburn at home, a dominant win over Arkansas at Jerry World. And the thing that stands out to me about this team is something we talked about on Monday's Aaron Torres pod. It is the fact that this team and this defense, specifically those young guys, right? We spent so much time talking about that 2022 recruiting class. Then some of them came to campus. It didn't work out last year. You had some behavioral issues with some of them. Well, a few of them are gone. But the ones that are there are all balling out, and this has become an elite defense early in the season, especially along the defensive line. As a matter of fact, I was thinking about it, and again, I say this all the time, I'm not an NFL draft evaluator, I'm not a recruiting expert, but when I just look body for body, player for player, I think you can argue Texas A&M has as good of a defensive line and defensive front as anybody in college football. First of all, in terms of the defense itself, a top 20 pass defense, a top 10 run defense, but more than anything, this team gets after the quarterback at an insane level, okay? Texas A&M currently through five games, so we're basically at the halfway point this season, 49 tackles for loss. That is the third most in college football. By the way, 15 a load against Arkansas. Sam Pittman, like the, the Arkansas fans are melting down right now on Sam Pittman and on that offensive line because they could not keep AM out of the backfield last week. 
also 20 sacks on the season, which is also third in college football. And again, it's a lot of the young guys that came in two, three years or uh, two years ago in the 2022 class, some of the older guys. But I looked it up on Tuesday and Edron Cooper, a uh, linebacker, and then Shamar Turner and Walter Nolan. How about this? Three elite guys all in the top like 30 nationally in tackles for loss. So they have multiple guys that are getting after it, getting after the quarterback. Then on top of that, I really think this offense is really starting to figure it out. And I know, again, we know what all the national AM narratives are. Oh, my goodness. How was it going to work with Bobby Petrino? How was it going to work with Jimbo Fisher? Well, it's working pretty well so far. And as a matter of fact, if you listen to Jimbo Fisher's media availability on Monday, he basically was gushing about Bobby Petrino. Now, Bobby Petrino has no say over uh, over turnovers, but Texas A&M on the season, a top 35 total offense and a team that is putting up close to 38 points per game. Remember, this was a team that didn't score 40 points in a single game all of last year. They are averaging 38 at nearly the midway point this year. Texas A&M, listen, I know they have critics. I know this is a good team. They're coming along. Don't believe the narratives. Trust your eyes. Trust Torres. This is a really good football team. From the Alabama perspective, I'll be blunt. Listen, you know, where Aaron was right. I told you two or three weeks ago, remember all the quarterback drama and the quarterback controversy and what does it mean? This guy started, then this guy got benched, and then this guy started. And what I said was when they went back to Jalen Milrow, this is football 101. Again, you don't have to be, uh, uh, you know, whoever. You don't have to be Lewis Riddick or Joe, you know, Troy Aikman or Greg Olson to figure out. Alabama figured a couple things out after that South Florida game. Offensive line can't pass block but the defense is really good and the best chance they have is to give the ball to Jalen Milrow and let Jalen Milrow make plays with his feet. Don't put too much on his plate. Don't put too much pressure on him, the starting quarterback. Instead, let him make plays with his feet, rely on the defense, trust that defense, move the clock and win games no matter how ugly it is. Well, to the defense's credit, the defense has been phenomenal all year including that Texas game, by the way. People keep forgetting. Alabama had the lead in the fourth quarter against Texas, and then eventually the the, the defense was just on the field for entirely too long. But even against Texas, 13 points going into the fourth quarter. Well, how about the last two weeks? You know that Ole Miss team that put up 706 yards of total offense last week against LSU? 55 points. They had 10 against Alabama when they played in Tuscaloosa. That Ole Miss offense scored one touchdown on the opening drive and then did not find the end zone again the rest of the game. They found it seven separate times against LSU. For, uh, you know, offensively for Alabama, so we just talked about the defense. Defense is really good. By the way, Dallas Turner. Dallas Turner's kind of having the year that we all expected Will Anderson to have last year. Don't know if, for, for those of you who are new to the show, Will Anderson was my preseason, preseason Heisman Trophy winner two years ago, so not this past fall, but the previous fall. Dallas Turner's kind of having that season. So the defense is awesome. But in this game specifically, I'll be blunt. I'm curious what they do with the offense. Because the offense, as I said, it is very clearly give Jalen Milrow the ball, chew up the clock, run as much as you can, and try to win games ugly. They did it a few weeks ago against uh, Ole Miss. But then last week, to their credit, they, they were able to move the ball a little bit more effectively. But even in that game, this is what stood out to me. They, they beat Mississippi State on the road last week. They put up 40 points, okay? They put up 40 points. That's what everybody wants to talk about. 
But here's what you need to know about that game that I found especially interesting. They still only had 164 yards passing. Jalen Milrow with 13 pass attempts and 12 rush attempts. In other words, Jalen Milrow is essentially as much of a running back right now as he is a quarterback. And so when I look ahead to this game, I'll be blunt. I just don't know if that is how you can play against this Texas A&M defense. Now, I think there's a lot of other teams that you can play like that against. You know, Alabama is going to play Kentucky later in the year. I think that's a good game plan for Kentucky. I think it's a good game plan for Ole Miss, for Mississippi State. But this Texas A&M team, what did I just say? They get after the quarterback. They make plays in the backfield. That does not sound conducive to a team in Alabama that doesn't have much of a vertical passing game, a deep passing game, if you will, and instead is relying on Jalen Milrow to make plays with his feet and to run the ball. And so when I look at this game, I think a couple things stand out. A&M has the home field advantage. We know how big that is in the SEC, that goes without saying. Two, beyond that, I think they have the better quarterback. Max Johnson is playing really good football right now for Texas A&M. They've scored 54 points in the last three halves, which is like basically, you know, two touchdowns a half since he took over. That's not elite, but it's good enough. The run game is coming along really strong. And right now, Texas A&M has the more balanced offense with the run pass game. Didn't even mention it earlier, Le'Veon Moss, another guy that was part of that 2022 recruiting class. He is averaging over 100 yards rushing in the two SEC games so far this year. And three... I just don't know how Alabama is going to move the ball in this game. And I'm not saying A&M wins 31 to three, but I just think there are certain ways. And this feels like to me, one of those styles make fights type games in college football, right? I think there are teams that Alabama is going to win by three touchdowns against. I just don't think this is the team on the flip side. I think there's a way to beat A&M and it's don't let all those big guys up front get in the backfield. Don't try to run the ball a million times. You have to be able to pass the ball. You have to be able to get rid of the ball quickly. I think LSU could give AM fits later in the year. I think Ole Miss could give them later fits later in the year. But on this game, on this Saturday coming up in College Station, I have an official pick, and it's only Wednesday, baby. I like Texas AM. If you want to call it an upset as a two and a half point underdog at home to win outright, give me the Aggies 27 14. I just don't think Alabama is going to be able to move the ball against this Texas AM defense again. There are ways to beat a and I don't know if Alabama has the blueprint to do it. Let's switch gears to the other game that really uh, is going to shake up and, and really kind of define the SEC picture this coming uh, season. That is the bell of the ball. The Kentucky Wildcats, they go to Georgia to face the Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia, of course, coming off that emotional win over Auburn. Interesting line movement in this one as well. Georgia opened as a 15-point home favorite. Now down to 14, the over-under in this game is 49. And when I look at this game, listen, we gave flowers to Kentucky and Mark Stoops on Monday's Aaron Torres pod. We're going to have to do it again today because that, listen, that was not just a big win. That was a historic win from the perspective that I don't think anyone listening to this show, watching the show, whatever, has ever seen Kentucky absolutely manhandle the Florida Gators like that. I mean, it was complete domination, as we discussed on Monday, 329 yards rushing for the Kentucky Wildcats against the Florida Gators. I don't care how bad Florida is. I don't care how much lack of offense that they have. That is not Florida should never be giving up 329 yards rushing to an SEC opponent. Nine yards per carry. Ray Davis kind of becomes a national household name. 
And also, like, it's important to know is that Kentucky's defense played really well as well. Florida was a play or two away from absolutely getting blown out. They do finish with just barely 300 yards of total offense. But Kentucky had nine tackles for loss in that game, three sacks. So they got after the quarterback as well. They made plays in the backfield as well. And so I look at that game, as I said, it was as much of a Kentucky butt kicking as any of us could have seen or imagined. Um, But I do think the one thing that I will say about Kentucky that does need to kind of get fixed going forward, they got to figure out the pass game with Devin Leary. And I'll be honest, listen, I was one of those people, right? I was one of those guys that in the preseason, I was praising Devin Leary to the heavens, right? I said he's a transfer quarterback, NC State. He was really good at NC State. Two years ago in 2021, gets hurt last season. Said, oh, I'll go to Kentucky. I'll have a big bounce back with Liam, Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator. Well, as of right now, Devin Leary isn't playing very well. Now, Saturday, he didn't have to do very much except for hand off the ball to Ray Davis, get behind that big blue wall, the offensive line. But you're going to need a better game from Devin Leary in this game just because you're not going to be able to just run the ball right at Georgia. Kind of goes without saying. Devin Leary on the season, 57% completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, five interceptions, which is kind of jarring, again, for a guy like myself who thought that this was going to be a very good college quarterback. Now, from the Georgia perspective, Georgia to me is like very interesting because they're 5-0. and They haven't really looked very good in any of their games, certainly their marquee games. Trailed at the half to South Carolina, uh, was tied at the half, tied after three quarters against Auburn last week. Now, as Kirby Smart said, and I think it's worth noting, going on the uh, going on the road in the SEC is not easy. Winning on the road in the SEC is not easy, and I give Kirby Smart credit. He didn't get caught up in all the minutiae. What does it mean? What do we, maybe behind the scenes he's frustrated? Maybe behind the scenes he knows that there's a lot of stuff to work on. But publicly, he was praiseworthy of that team for getting the win at all. Now, for Georgia, interesting to me, it's kind of the opposite almost of what I think about Kentucky. I thought Carson Beck, the first-year starter quarterback, I thought he actually came along very nicely in that Auburn game. Now, it helps when you have uh, Brock Bowers, excuse me, I don't know why I said Blake, Brock Bowers to throw the ball to. And Brock Bowers was incredible. I think Brock Bowers is going to be in the Heisman contention throughout the year. He's going to be a top-10 pick come the NFL draft. Um, But I thought uh, uh, Carson Beck, the quarterback, really did a good job of getting comfortable Uh, And looked, I thought, in the second half, the best that he has looked all year. What's wild about Georgia, though, the things that they're usually relying on, they're not very good this year. I mean, they're okay, but they're not Georgia good. They're not what we have come to expect from Georgia. Just for fun, I looked it up, okay? So Georgia's run game has always kind of been their, their signature thing. And I think with Stetson Bennett last year, they had to rely on it less. But. Last year, they ranked in the top 20 nationally in rush offense. They were 19th nationally in rush offense a season ago. This year, they rank 79th nationally in rushing offense. Okay, that is insane. 79th nationally in rushing offense, averaging 148 yards per game, about 25 yards per game fewer. Here's the crazy part, though. Their run defense has not been good. And this is the team, Georgia, right? Like we always talk about Georgia, all those big guys up front, all that physicality, all that toughness, all that skill. You know that Georgia right now? And you would sit here and say, that's not that bad. They rank 39th nationally in rush defense. That sounds, oh, that's not bad. That's that's awesome. Top 40 nationally, that's good. Here's the thing. Go back to 2022, 2021, 2020, and 2019. 
You know what Georgia had in common in all four years between 2019 and 2022? They ranked either number one or number two nationally in rush defense, given about somewhere between 73 and 77 yards per game in all four seasons. And so I bring it up because they're averaging about 50 yards per less rush uh, rushing on the ground and like 75, they're giving up 75 more yards on the ground per game as well. And so when you start talking about this game, I can see it being close. I can see it being competitive because I think Kentucky's going to have relative success running the ball. By the way, this is a series that has been very, very, very close through the years, probably closer than I think a lot of people realize. Last year, Georgia, they had a couple close regular season games at Missouri, at Kentucky. They win 16-6. Two years ago, 30-13 to Georgia wins, but that was about as tough as anybody played them during the regular season that in that 2021 title run. Georgia won 14-3 to during the COVID year in 2020, 21 to nothing in the 2019 season. So really these have been close and low scoring games. And if you had to make me pick a side, if you had to make me bet it, I think under is the best bet by a mile. Kentucky, they always, even with the star quarterbacks, always played close, always play low scoring on the road in the SEC. For fun, I looked it up. If you take out Vanderbilt, when they play Vanderbilt on the road, Vanderbilt doesn't count, they're terrible. Every single game, that Kentucky has played on the road since the start of last season in the SEC has gone under 50 points. One hit 50 exactly. That was Tennessee last year. They lost 44 to six. Hendon Hooker was incredible. But from the Kentucky perspective, they play close, low scoring games on the road. And this is a close, low scoring series. So if you're asking me to pick the game, I'll say Georgia wins somewhere in the neighborhood of 23 to 14. I like the Kentucky spread bet, but I like the under bet even more. I think this is close and competitive. It's hard for me to pick against Georgia at home, especially coming off a, you know, a, a tough road win. But I think Kentucky shows, again, that they are a great program, a great team, ascending team. I just think it's a lot to ask to go on uh, between the hedges and win this game. All right. That was our Wednesday uh, you know, start to look ahead. How'd you like that? That was different. Speaking of different, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And when we come back, we're going to switch gears to some college hoops. We just talked Kentucky football. Well, Kentucky basketball, they have announced a four-game series with the Indiana Hoosiers. Okay, I can sign up for that. Also, on top of that, we'll do some recruiting news. Cooper Flag, number one player in America, some big news there. Cameron Boozer, Number one player in the junior class took an official visit to Kentucky. What does that mean? A couple other players that are worth discussing. Take a quick break. College hoops, it's coming, and we're going to discuss it all next. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Do want to wrap? Can't believe I'm saying this. A little bit of college hoops. That's right. We are into October, which means that we're really about four weeks away from the start of college basketball season. I cannot believe it. We're going to have tons of coverage. Aaron Torres online.com. Uh, the Aaron Torres pod YouTube channel. This website, uh, this podcast as well. And of course, also the College Hoops Daily with Zach Crow will be back for another year. So make sure you're subscribed there as well. A lot of coverage coming up. But by the way, I'll be at a couple really big early season games, which I'm very excited about as well. Obviously, with the radio commitments, don't get to travel much on the weekends, but there's some big midweek games that I will get to. Anyway, enough about me. Enough about Torres. Here's the bottom line. There was a big piece of College Hoops news on Tuesday that I want to get to. Also, some recruiting news. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into it. First of all, the big piece of college hoops news that dropped on Tuesday, and it is a big one. After a decade of not playing, of back and forth, of this and that, and about three or four years of rumors that they were maybe sort of possibly about to play at some point in the future, we officially got news on Tuesday that the Kentucky-Indiana rivalry is back on starting in the 2025-2026 season. So clear your calendars for December of 2025, baby. Kentucky and Indiana will play four regular season games, and then obviously we'll go from there. And let me say this. I know that Kentucky fans don't like Indiana fans. I know that Indiana fans don't like Kentucky fans, but I think this is good for college hoops. So let's dive in. First of all, for people who don't know the history, This was a game that was an annual thing. It was huge. I mean, this was one of the great rivalries in college basketball. I think it's easy to forget this, but, you know, everyone thinks of Kentucky-Louisville right now, but Kentucky and Louisville, they went decades without playing, and it was Indiana, which was deemed as Kentucky's kind of pseudo-annual rival. This was before the Champions Classic when they would play Kansas or Duke or Michigan State. This was before the CBS Sports Classic. So the Kentucky-Indiana game was always kind of circle your calendar stuff. However, they stopped playing about a decade ago, and the reason is pretty straightforward. In the 2011 season, Kentucky played at Indiana. Uh, That was the famous shot at the buzzer. Christian Watford, they call it the watch shot. Indiana fans still celebrate it. Kentucky fans still make fun of Indiana fans for celebrating a regular season win. But the Indiana fans stormed the court. It got dicey on the court like a lot of times this stuff that happened. Well, like, like a lot of times when this stuff happens. And so John Calipari basically vowed, I am never going back to Bloomington. If you want to play this series, we can play it on neutral courts. And so Calipari for years has proposed, let's play this at Lucas Oil Stadium, the football stadium where the Indianapolis Colts play. Indiana has wanted on court, you know, on campus venue games, Rupp Arena and uh, and Bloomington. And the two two sides could never figure it out. Now, I've heard that there, there's other stuff involved. I think the politicians in Kentucky would not be very happy with the game annually in Indianapolis and all the revenue going to the state of Indiana. I was told that by somebody pretty high up, so keep that in mind. But ultimately, the two sides got this done. 
And for the most part, it feels like pretty much everybody got what they wanted. First game in 2025 will be at Rupp Arena. Second game in 2026 will be at Lucas Oil Stadium. So we will get that great backdrop of a football stadium. I think that place will be packed. This game used to historically draw 35, 40,000 people to that stadium. The third game will be played in Rupp Arena. And then the fourth game, it will be the long-awaited return of Kentucky to Bloomington. Although by December of 2028, I can't imagine John Calipari is still there. By the way, I think about all of the ebbs and flows with John Calipari like during the regular season. I can't imagine seven more years of it or six more years of it or whatever it would be where John Calipari is still coaching Kentucky in 2028 or whenever it would be that they play. So that's the setup. Four games, two at Rupp, one at Lucas Oil, one in Bloomington. I'm just here to say, I know the two family bases don't like each other. I think this is great for college basketball, right? Um, Again, they don't like each other. I think they feel like they've kind of moved on. I don't think either side feels like they need each other. But you guys and girls know I'm a college hoops guy at heart. And with college hoops, the one thing is early in the season, especially in that November, December timeframe, anytime you can create must-watch appointment television for this sport, I think it's a good thing. I think it's why it's great that we have the Champions Classic. I think it's why it's great that we have the Maui Invitational and Battle for Atlantis. And I love how that November Thanksgiving week, really that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday into Thanksgiving, it's all about college basketball. And so the fact that we have another Saturday in December when college football in theory will be done, although who knows with the new college football expanded playoff, but a, a a time on the calendar when there's not as much football and the idea being that we can get a big time rivalry between two huge college basketball brands, between two fan bases that adore college basketball, I think it is great for the sport. I think it'll be contentious. I think it'll be heated. And the other thing, lastly, that stands out, I know I've said it a few times, these two fan bases don't like each other, right? And as great as the Champions Classic is with Kentucky and Michigan State or Kansas and Duke, as great as some of these early non-conference games are, when you get the two fan bases that don't like each other, when you get the two fan bases that go back and forth on social media and we don't like you and you don't like us and we don't need you and we don't need you, that's great for college sports. I mean, I think I've used this analogy, but with Texas going back to the SEC next year, I have seen for 10 years Texas A&M and Texas fans going back and forth on social media. So to see them play on the field will be incredible, just like it'll be incredible to see Texas, Arkansas, uh, Oklahoma, Arkansas, whatever. And it's the same in college basketball. I, for one, am very happy that we get this rivalry. Uh, We'll see who's coaching. I don't know if Mike Woodson's going to be there. I don't know if John Calipari is going to be there, but it's good for the sport. And I, for one, am very excited to watch. All right, let's switch gears and wrap the show now. Little college, That was a little college hoops nugget. There's some other college hoops stuff going on. Uh, UConn star Donovan Klingon, by the way, a little bit of a, a an injury, foot injury. Hopefully he'll be fine. Uh, there, there's stuff going on in college hoops. But at the same time, I do want to wrap with a college hoops recruiting segment. And we did this about three weeks ago, and it was very popular, and we got some very good feedback on this. It killed on YouTube. Um, and, and, you know, on the podcast, I got a lot of DMS and comments and emails about it. And so I want to just rip through about five, six storylines in the college hoops recruiting world, because again, ultimately at the end of the day, we're still about five weeks away from the start of the season, probably over the next three or four weeks, you'll really start to see all the conference preview stuff. 
Um, but recruiting still is right now taking center stage. The best players are making visits. A lot of them are making visits in conjunction with big college football weekends. And so there's been all sorts of news over the last four or five weeks. Let's get to some updates since the last time. And we have to start with a mega update with the number one recruit in America, class of 2024, a senior this year, a player by the name of Cooper Flag, 6'9 forward, originally from Maine, plays at Montverde Academy. Uh, and when we last updated Cooper Flag, we got an interesting update as he had settled on three official visits, one to UConn, one to Kansas, one to Duke. Took the official visit to UConn. It seemingly went well. Uh, I told you that there were ties between Cooper Flagg's family and Donovan Klingon's family. Remember, the, the mothers of those two players played together. Unfortunately, uh, Mrs. Klingon passed away a few years ago. But I bring it up because there's ties between the families. If you saw on social media, uh, the UConn staff actually got both moms' jerseys and the two players took pictures together with the jerseys. So the, the, the recruiting visit seemingly went well. But here is the big piece of news. Here is the update that you need to know about Cooper Flag. On Monday night, he canceled his official visit to Kansas, meaning he feels like, it feels like, unless something shocking happens, he is down to Duke and UConn for his services. Now, when that piece of news happened, all the UConn people on social media, my DMs filled up. It was like a Christmas stocking. It was overflowing with so many DMs. But I bring it up because a lot of you asked point blank, Torres, does this mean that this means that this is now down to, does it mean UConn is the team? I don't believe UConn is necessarily the team at this moment as I record here, whatever it is, October 3rd of 2023. What I believe is a few things. One, I think UConn did as good of a job as they could have possibly done on this visit. As I said, the, the picture with the Klingon, uh, Donovan Klingon and Cooper Flag wearing their mom's jerseys, it tugged at the heartstrings. Cooper Flag's mom made, I believe it was a Facebook post, kind of honoring the late Mrs. Klingon, what a great teammate she was, what a great leader she was, all of that. But I do still think at the end of the day, it's an uphill battle. Duke has been the perceived favorite forever. And remember, Cooper Flag has already visited Duke on an unofficial visit. That was really the only campus visit that he took before this uh, before this fall. And so he's already taken the unofficial. They've long time been perceived to be a leader. And he's got the official coming up later this month. And so it's going to be hard, in my opinion, to convince anyone to convince him to go anywhere other than Duke. Although I do think UConn is the only other realistic option. And so that is the, the update there. And, and again, like I said, I've said it two or three times now. I think Duke is still the favorite. I think UConn is doing everything they can and everything anyone could do. But all I think that that Kansas visit being canceled means is that he kind of knows in his heart of heart, Kansas isn't really an option. He doesn't strike me as the kind of kid that's going to waste everybody's time. He's Listen, he's the number one player in America. He's coveted by everybody. He, could, he will be a one and done. He could be the number one pick in the draft. I don't think he's the type of kid that's just going to go take a bunch of campus visits to eat free steak and, and hang out in the dorms. I think he knows what he's about. He knows what he wants. I think in the end it'll be Duke, but we will obviously continue to monitor this one. Let's keep it going, and let's switch gears to how about this? The number one high school player in the class of 2025. In other words, a current high school junior. He took his first official visit uh, the same weekend Cooper Flag was at UConn. That is Cameron Boozer, 6'9 forward from the Miami area. He took an official visit to Kentucky with his brother, Caden Boozer. 
Now, if the name sounds familiar, if you're doing some mental math in your head, yes, I think anybody watching or listening to this knows. The sons, a pair of sons, they're, they're twin brothers, Caden uh, and Cameron Boozer. They are the sons of Carlos Boozer. Of course, Carlos Boozer, longtime NBA player. They are now in the Miami area. And two weekends ago, they took an official visit to Kentucky. Now, of course, when you see that these are kids that are legacies of a Duke alum, the natural assumption is that Duke is the favorite for this family too. So Cooper Flag, the perceived favorite is Duke. Cameron Boozer, the perceived favorite is Duke as well. However, the fact that he visited Kentucky with his brother, and by the way, I'm, I'm really, frankly, being a little disrespectful of the brother here. Caden uh, Boozer, the, 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 the twin brother, He's not six foot nine like his old like his twin brother. I want to say older brother, but his twin brother. Caden Boozer is a six three guard, but I think he's a really good player. He's a top 20 player nationally in the class of 2025. And I bring it up because they are perceived to be a package deal. Uh Cooper Flagg, ironically, has a twin brother as well. It looks like that twin brother is going to stay in the class of 2025. But the Boozer brothers are a package deal. And like I said, it feels like they've long been perceived to be a Duke lean. What I would say is a couple of things. One, they just took a visit to Kentucky. They live in Miami, and I know that Miami very much thinks they're in the mix. The Boozer twins have gotten offers from North Carolina, which would obviously be an interesting twist. But I think what everybody wants to know is, is there anyone besides Duke that, that, that has a possibility? What I would say about this recruitment, I feel pretty confident saying this, a couple things. One, I think they're taking other options seriously. Now, does that mean they're going to end up somewhere other than Duke? That I cannot say. But I think they're seriously considering other schools. I think they want to see what else is out there, whether it is Kentucky, whether it is the hometown of Miami, whether it is North Carolina, whether it is somebody else that might not even be involved yet. I think they want to be recruited and want to go through the process. I don't think it's a grand slam home run, no doubt about it. They're going to Duke because their dad played there. I think the other thing worth mentioning, it's very early in the process. This was their first official visit. I don't think we're going to get any sort of clarification for a year plus. At this point next year, they'll probably be taking their final official visits, whether it's Duke, North Carolina, Miami, maybe a second trip to Kentucky. I don't know. But we're very early in the early stages with them. And number three, I think there are a couple other factors to consider. I've seen multiple people, including my buddy Jack Pilgrim, say, keep in mind, Dad, Carlos Boozer, is pretty hands-off in this recruitment. Um, you know, Carlos Boozer has ties to the Shashevsky regime much more than to John Shire. So there's that factor. And then the, the other factor that I've been told for sure, that I feel very confident in saying, are you recruiting Cameron Boozer, the number one player in the country? Or are you recruiting the brothers as a package deal? Because I think if you're going after Cameron and you're kind of giving the brother, the, the 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 stiff arm, the yeah, 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 we like you too. I don't think that really rubs the family the right way. If you've seen Caden Boozer play, he's a different player. He's six foot three. His brother's six foot nine, six foot ten. But Caden is a baller. If you watch that uh, Peach Jam game when it was Cooper Flag versus Cameron Boozer for the uh, you know for the 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 Peach Jam championship, the U sixteen championship. It was Caden Boozer, the brother, the, the 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 guard. He was the best player on the floor. Now, Cameron Boozer was sick. He had some sort of illness that week. But it doesn't change the fact Caden Boozer is a legitimate top 20 prospect. He's going to be a McDonald's All-American, and he is a high major point guard. Now, is he maybe a two-and-done or a three-and-done as opposed to his brother who's a one-and-done going to be a top 10 pick? Probably. 
but he is very much, he can play at Duke. He can play at Carolina. He can play at Kentucky. And so I think that's what the family really cares about. Are you recruiting us as a package deal? Are you giving both brothers equal time, equal respect, equal communication, whatever? Or are you really going after Cameron? Is is Caden, the other brother, kind of off to the side? That, to me, is going to be worth monitoring. And what will be worth monitoring is what are the other guards that the Kentuckys and the Dukes are recruiting in 2025? A long way to go there. All right, let's wrap with a couple other notes from the 2024 class. So this is the senior class we're going back to. First of all, five-star guard named Boogie Flant. Uh, He is coming down to the wire. He is down to Kentucky, Alabama, and Indiana. It was worth noting this week, he's from the New York area. Nate Oates and his staff, John Calipari and his staff were both up in New York. Uh, Keep in mind, by the way, Alabama's had some coaching turnover, but Preston Murphy, who came in to replace Brian Hodgson, who who went to take the Arkansas State head coaching job, uh, Preston Murphy's killing it. Preston Murphy's done an incredible job in that transition. Um, And what I would say about Boogie Fland is this. You talk to people in college basketball. I do think that most people think that Kentucky is the perceived favorite. I think that this thing's coming down the home stretch and Kentucky feels good about where they're at. I also don't think that any of the three schools really feel like they're totally out of it either. I think Indiana thinks they got a shot. I think Bama thinks they have a shot. But being realistic, I do think Kentucky is the favorite. We'll see if they end up with Boogie Fland. Uh, no timetable just yet on when he's going to commit. By the way, to uh, another guy worth noting with Kentucky, Billy Richmond from Camden, New Jersey. Uh, the uh, Played high school basketball with two current Kentucky freshmen, uh, DJ Wagner and Aaron Bradshaw. I do think he'll be a Wildcat as well. Uh, Memphis also in the mix for him. So that's where Kentucky's at in 2024. Really quickly, I mentioned Bama. We mentioned this in the last recruiting update. They had they just got a commitment from a five-star center named Aiden Sherrill. Uh, plays at Prolific Prep, probably about five, six hours north from where I live here in California. Really good player. Nate Oates type. You know, everybody's got their types, right? Well, Nate Oates, especially big men, he loves that super long, super athletic type player. The guy that can defend in space. The guy that can protect the rim. He committed over the last week or so. Really good player. Five-star kid. Uh, top 30 or so prospect. I don't know if he's a one and done like Noah Clowney was this year, but he's going to be a guy that's a difference maker at Alabama from day one. He will step on the floor and he will contribute uh, Alabama on top of Boogie Fland also in the mix for a top 20 uh, wing slash pseudo big guy named Deron Reed. He is a player that I think Alabama feels good in where they're at. He could play with Aiden Sherrill. He's more of a three, four Sherrill's more of a four, five, Uh, But Alabama feels really good. Obviously, Alabama is in good shape to have another elite class. Remember, two years ago, they had what? The number three, four class in the country, something like that. This year, they recruited a couple developmental type kids, kind of hit the portal for Grant Nelson, for Aaron Estrada, for Latrell Reitzel. But they're closing in on another top five class in America. Speaking of top five class, Arizona got a commitment from a kid named Emmanuel Steven on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, big seven foot kid plays his high school ball in the state of Arizona. Arizona's got two top 30 or so commits in Jamari Phillips and Carter Bryant. Both are five stars. I expect both to be McDonald's all Americans, Tommy Lloyd doing work at Arizona and uh, a couple other news and notes. One, uh, I do think there's a, it, well, I don't think there is a four star from the beautiful state of Connecticut near and dear to my heart, Tyler Betsy 
Uh, he will commit later this week. He is down to Cincinnati, Alabama, and UConn. So you talk about two schools we've talked about, Alabama and UConn. Do think he ultimately does end up with Cincinnati. And there is one other kind of pseudo recruiting, uh, you know, uh, commitment watch. And that is a kid by the name of Isaiah Elohim, who currently plays at Sierra Canyon High School. Obviously, famously, Bronny James played there. Uh, Amari Bailey, who played at UCLA, played there on and on. He was seemingly down to about three or four schools, took a visit to Villanova. Villanova's not really in the mix. It feels like Arkansas is the team to beat there. Isaiah Elohim, uh, again, from California, about a 6'5 guard, super athletic, super like, like these are the guys that Eric Musselman recruits, right? And we talked about Nate Oates having a type. Musselman likes super athletic, switchable, can kind of play that two through four spot. He's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger for a high school kid. Really, really like his talent. I'd expect that one to happen sooner rather than later. All right. I think that's it for this episode of the Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is time for me to get out of here. If you are not subscribed to the Air Tour Sports Podcast, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. It is time for me to get out of here. It is time for me to go. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F head unblock me, bro. By the way, thank you again to our partners, DraftKings Sportsbook and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Uh, Again, bet $5 on any game, get $200 in bonus bets, courtesy of the DraftKings Sportsbook. Thank you again to DraftKings. Use promo code Torres, of course, when you do that. That is all for today's show. Appreciate your support. Time for me to get out of here. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick. You F it. Unblock me, bro. I will be back on Friday. New episode, Aaron Torres Pod. Take care, everybody. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.